0: Pastor Brian, sorry, you got the replacement. <laughs> okay. Near enough is good enough in this case. I, uh, well, I should say that this, uh, while the other sermons have been written by me, this one is written by Brian, and um, could I get that glass table as well, please? Is that all right? And um, so I'm, I'm preaching uh, my headline, her outline, my inputs. So if that makes no sense to you, don't worry about it. Hey, just before we begin, I'd just like to add three minutes to my time, and uh, I'm a person who, sorry guys, you know those people who like nothing in a space? If in doubt, chuck it out, that's, that's me, so clutter literally does my head in, and uh, so I'm feeling cluttered, so if you think, Darren, just grow up, I'm trying to adjust, okay, so I'm just getting my head up to speed. I just want to speak to you about three things before I begin, and uh, you know that I'll manage the clock properly and and uh, be on time for you, uh, because this is you know everybody's saying it, it is a strange, strange time, unprecedented in as I look around this room in all of our lifetimes. This is the biggest thing that's ever happened, and church. I don't know about you, church is strange. Yeah. It's just strange, and um. It would have been in some ways for us, like for me personally, would have been a whole lot easier just to not come back. Would have been easier for Kerry not to come back. Would have just been easier to do online. We would have felt good about it, you know. And but we came back into the room because we knew we knew a couple of things. We knew not everybody was coming back to the room. We knew that not everybody was coming back to the room yet. But we knew that some people really want to gather corporately and worship Jesus pray and orientate around the scriptures and so for us we're like you know people are going to have opinions people are going to say ah it's not how it can be or could be or should be or and knowing all of that in advance we went you know what what's most important is that we create an opportunity for whoever wants to gather together within the constraints of how we can gather so that's why we're here it's imperfect um but what it what it does do i think is number two what it does do is um, the changed conditions under which we all gather and live. I don't think they've changed us so much as amplified where we're really at. And I think that's true of the church. And I think it's true of, of um, believers in Christ. And, and so my encouragement to you around everything is if, if the strength of my faith hinged on a certain kind of Sunday that I think deeply about that. If I find myself getting dry internally in my spirit, that I think deeply about that and go, uh, God, what, what, what's the deal here? Because what we know for sure is Jesus didn't get, get together like we do. We know he went to the temple, but and he went to the temple as a priority, but it didn't look like this. And so what's it look like? What's it, what's it look like for you now? I can tell you that since COVID began, one of the things that, I've always had a personal devotional life. I would call it the core of my, um, you know, my spiritual life. My Christian faith is my own personal devotion. But I can tell you that it's got allocated more space in this season um, because everything around it looks different. And so, I just encourage you around that number two, uh, and 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 how how to position my life with a fire in my soul. How what are the settings for that? And number three there's a, there's a, an account where jesus is tempted by the enemy of our soul the devil and, and if you know me I, i've been coming here what now for more than a year and a half i've probably mentioned i don't like to overstate the forces of darkness but they're real it's not something you hear me commonly talk about because i think it gets way too much airtime. time um, and i think there's settings in which we talk about those things but the reality is when jesus was tempted by the devil the the bible says that after he had tempted him he left him for a more opportune time i find that extraordinarily interesting the idea that there's a time that it's just not going to happen and there's a time that is opportune there is a window of opportunity when he could come at somebody and i would suggest to you that as a church now is a window of opportunity why is that Because in our separation comes the opportunity for thoughts and for whispers and for, uh, Darren doesn't really care. Be an example, right? Darren doesn't really care. I can tell you in the background over the whole COVID thing, the one thing we did was stripped everybody who's employed and stripped their jobs back and said, everybody is on the phone. But people don't know that there were one thing we did above everything, the one thing that we harassed people around was making calls, being prayerful, all that kind of thing. And so it becomes an opportune time for the enemy of our soul to whisper all sorts of things to me and all sorts of things to you. I'm saying it to you because I noticed it in me. I noticed that, you know, my heart was just a little bit funny towards some people and I thought, "Ah, that's not real, that's not accurate, that's not informed. That's a whisper. And so wherever you hear a whisper about his church, I'd suggest to you, whatever it is, unless it's sin, that you throw it out. Someone's critical, you throw it out. Someone's divisive, you throw it out. Someone has an opinion that's unhelpful, throw it out. This is not a season to be having little conversations about Jesus' church. This is a time when Jesus' church needs to just put its foot firm on the ground and do what Ephesians 6 says. Stand firm. And having done everything to stand, stand firm. Take the Word of God. Take the sword of the Spirit. Take the shield of faith. Take the belt of truth. Take the helmet of salvation. This is a time when the church of Jesus needs to stand firm. So if anything's making you shaky, see it for what it is. And if you're a cause of making anyone else shaky, see that for what it is. And let's be the kind of people who's standing firm in our faith, praying for one another, just like we are here, encouraging each other. Are you encouraged by the person next to you? I am. I tell you, when I, 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 the only thing in the redesign of the room is I have, a no, I have a nervous toilet break before I preach, every time I preach. I'm terrified that I'll need to go to the toilet one day when I'm on the platform. And so I had to walk all the way across the room. I thought, oh, I didn't, we didn't think that one through. We'll need to rethink that. We need a door in that back corner somewhere. So... Whatever's going on, just. but I looked across the room and thought, oh, it's a cold winter's day, maybe the coldest Sunday of the year, and here are all these people gathered in church, putting Jesus first. All the reasons in the world to stay home, the weather, COVID, church isn't what it is normally, all the reasons in the world not to be here, but you are. And I find, personally, I find incredible encouragement to my faith in that, and I hope you do too. So... Keep up the good work. Keep doing what we're doing. Thanks to the guys who work extra hard. And uh, let's keep going forward, all right? Amen. All right, let's get into this. I don't know if you've been doing the personal devotions in the You Revolution series. Honestly, I said to Bron, and remember, I'm involved in it all. I said to Bron, did you really write these? Like, they're phenomenal. Uh, the devotions, um, the day-to-day devotions are just... Um, really really good we do them together before we go to bed it has the same flow every single night because i like to do all that stuff in the morning i'm not good late i'm good early and um and every night bro i'll say darren are you ready to do the devotion every night i say the same thing oh bro when are we still going to do it i'll do it in the morning and then after it i'm like we read we answer the question we pray and it's a great way to go to sleep. So whether you're a morning person like me or a night person, encourage you around that. It's one of the great ways to build into your faith. And I do think this series will be transformative if you take hold of it in your life. Right on, why don't we stand? And then uh, I've got 22 minutes to speak. So now I'm going to condense. Let's pray. Why don't you just focus your mind for a moment? Just meditate on Jesus. Still all the distractions. Just take a deep breath. Heavenly Father, we have this moment free of external distraction and and we pray Holy Spirit come. Holy Spirit speak. Take your word and these thoughts and continue a good work in us. I pray every single person would leave here better than they arrived, better for having come, positioned in in their life, for their God-appointed future in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Take a seat so we 're in week four um, of this series, which I think really is a transformative um, journey tringing, uh, triggering a new revolution and all that flows from it um, the, this series I would essentially say this is this is the series that sums up at least my life um, as i 've tried to live it that 's why I think I love it it's, These are core messages um, in terms of how i 've at least lived and gone. I think this would be helpful for any believer um, and and been really working on it in the background for Quite a long time sitting on it in week six, which is three weeks for away because we 're breaking for uh, father 's day next week in week six, I want you to be prayerful if you start now it 's twenty one days away i 'd l- love you to join me just personally on being prayerful and fasting some of the not i 'm not doing twenty one day fast just meals and bits i can 't do a twenty one day fast and uh, you 'll see me at the end of it you 'll know i haven 't done a twenty one day fast anyway so yeah. they are uh, but but I want to ask you to join me if you're a believer in Jesus and believe for something to go on. In week six, we're going to do a, um, I'm going to preach on the new outpouring. And um, I believe we live in a day where God will bring a new outpouring to his church. I, haven't, I just haven't tried to prepare a pretty message for the end of the series. I've been sitting on this. I've actually spoken about it with pastors, etc., in other places. But I believe in a new outpouring. We're going to be praying for people on the Sunday. We don't know how we're going to do it within the restrictions. Uh, I know that at least in Tamworth we're going to do something as well over and above on the Sunday night if you'd like to make that journey. I'm not sure what we're doing here yet. You need to see your pastor and she will tell you. Um, but the new outpouring. And I think that God wants to fill people with His Spirit, wants to baptise people in His Spirit, and He wants to anoint people for the next season. I think that there's something going on. We're not going to try and manufacture anything. That is not the way I do things. I'm sure you can tell that. Uh, We just want to be the kind of people that are leaning in, looking to God, seeking Him, and seeing what He does. And so I encourage you around that, believing for something to go on in that space, and I'd ask to start praying with me now. So number one, we looked at um, our personal response to the I-God phenomenon. Number two, we looked at the seven words that change everything. Number three, a paradigm shift that our U Revolution pivots on. And number four, our positioning or positioning our life in a way that the U Revolution builds on. Uh, now, today, in these moments, I want to get super practical um, this week um, and talk about how does... How does, this, how, do I play, how does all this play out in my life? What do, I, what do I do? And Jesus got asked a question one day and by an expert in the law of God, really that he answers this question for us, even though it's not the reason he's getting asked by the person involved. And so Matthew chapter 22 from verse 34, very familiar to some of you, new to others. Um, listen to this. Verse 20, uh, 34. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, The Pharisees got together. So these are the two elite religious groups. One of them, an expert in the law, tested Jesus with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Remembering there's more than 600. And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law and the prophets... All of the law, every law given, all that's written about the law, all that the prophets have written, all of the prophets' writings, hang on these two commandments. When we strip it all back, Jesus is saying, it'll come down to this. The way you love God and the way you love people. And in the modern church, we've almost turned it into a slogan that's meaningless. It's like, love God, love people, love life. And, And that is true, except that it loses meaning when you just use the headline. But this is what Jesus said. He said, hey, if you'll get these two things right, the rest will flow. If you get these two things right, the rest will build. If you, if you get these two things right, don't worry so much about everything else. It will take care of itself. And if you don't get these two things, it won't work. It won't flow. It won't take care of itself. And so how do I live this? out? Uh, this U Revolution message. Well, I've put here the next thing is to set up first things first. First things first. That's what Jesus is talking about here. Rethinking today, rethinking first things is essential in our new revolution and whatever um, is defining that flows from it. It, it, The first things. The first things matter. We see it here with Jesus. And if we'll build that. um, The the idea here is is found, or the, the word here for first is, I think it's protos. I'm trusting my wife now. In 1920, which is much better than trusting me on these things anyway. In 1920, Ernest Rutherford discovered what he thought could possibly be the foundation article um, extracted from a hydrogen nucleus. And he called it, as you would know, a proton. And the proton is based on this word. It comes from this word, protos. Unfortunately for him, he was wrong. They later discovered that it could be broken down further. But but capture the essence of it in in what Jesus is saying. He's saying, this is the, the protos. This is the foundation. This is the foremost. This is where everything flows from, what everything builds on. Love God and love people. Um, I think I'm going to, because I used up time, I'm not going to use that today. I'm sure you've seen it. I'm sure many of you have seen where someone will grab a jar and then they'll pour in lots of sand and then they'll add pebbles and then they'll add big rocks. Has anyone seen that? And then they do the opposite because they realise that the big rocks don't fit And so then they go back to the start and what they do is they put the big rocks in first and then the pebbles and then they build around it. And the idea is to suggest this idea of first things first. And so we're going to skip that, um, but I want us to think about that. I want us to think about first things first. You might see an image on the screen here of a curtain. I don't know if you've ever stayed in a good hotel. Um, But here you go, there's nothing like staying in a beautiful hotel with dr—oh, for me, um, for drapes, where you can—I'm feeling less masculine by the moment in this message today. Moving things, I like drapes in hotels, um, but I do. And uh, yes, that's right. So, but but there's something good now. What's this next image? I don't know if you've ever stayed in an Airbnb like that. I have. I've stayed in both. But it comes down to the track. It's going to affect everything. And this, what we're talking about is a track that, uh, that affects everything. It's true in your life. It's true in my life. It is how it works. Um, so, so let's look at some today. Obviously, we know love God and love people. We're going to cover that as priorities in our daily devotions this week. I want to I go beyond that, drill a bit deeper than that today in a practical way. What are some of the practical firsts that revolutionize or really revolutionize our lives? And then what flows from them? And we're going to use an acronym, now you can tell my wife put this message together and not me, and the acronym is FIRST. And I want to start with the first one that creates most tension, this this creates tension everywhere. The rest of them you'll be like, yeah, the first one, some of it will sort of create tension in us. And the first one is this, first fruits. If you were using a different kind of F, which I might personally do, sorry Brumlin, uh, I'd, I'd call it first finance, but it calls it first fruits, and so... The Bible talks about this. Back in the law, back in Leviticus 23, it talks about how the people were largely illiterate. They didn't carry the phone in their, uh, the Bible in their pocket on their iPhone. And so they would have feasts and fasts. Um, the festival of feasts and, and and all of this went on. And one of the things that they did was when the 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 first crop would start to bud, they would take something and offer the first offering to God and say, "God, Whatever harvest brings, this is, this is to honour you. I'm giving you the first. And that was the idea. It's right through um, Leviticus 23. You can see it there. And the idea is simple and it's powerful. And it's still the principle still, uh, I believe, is in play today. Because at that time, this was, it seems archaic to us, but it was revolutionary to them. And the principle still as powerful that, uh, today as it was then, is that they would, of course, take of the harvest and give something to God And then depending on how next season went, um, this is the nations now, this is everywhere on every hill where you could see, you'd see that people would be sacrificing to their God and then what would happen is if they had a bad season, they think, well, next year I'm going to sacrifice more and so they'd sacrifice more. And If they had a good season, they'd go, this works. And so they'd sacrifice more. And so what you see are the nations around God's people start to sacrifice even their children Because what more can you give to appease the gods and ensure a good harvest than your own child? And God steps into the frame and he speaks to a man. This was revolutionary. Gods didn't speak to humans. And God certainly didn't tell them how the sacrifice worked. But God speaks into the frame and says to a man, no, no, this is what I want. And why does he want it? For God? God No, he wants it for the man to go in, or the woman, but it was a man in this case, to put God first. With the first of their lives, and it's this radical moment where God defines it as as what it will be and how it would look, so they could not spend the rest of their lives worrying if the gods were angry. It's incredible, actually. It's revolutionary when Abraham brings Isaac, and God says no. The reason Abraham can bring him so readily is because Isaac, uh, Abraham understood the day in which he lived, and went, oh, of course, that's what the gods ask of people. But then God stops His hand and says no. This is not what God asks of people. Actually, I will provide the sacrifice, and it's revolutionary stuff as God speaks to humanity. And then Proverbs chapter three, talking about first in the wisdom books, talks about Proverbs three verse nine: Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops or your increase. Then we step into Matthew chapter six, and Jesus says, "Don't store up for yourself treasure on heaven, where moths destroy, etc., but store up for yourselves treasure on earth." But store up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where moths and vermin don't destroy. For where your treasure is, your heart is. And I wonder, you know, at the core of my being, do I believe that today in terms of how I live? 1 Corinthians 16, listen to this. Now about the collection for the Lord's people. Do what I told the Galatians church to do. On the first day of the week, each of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. I just want to pause there. Now, whether you're like me and believe and practice 10% or not, what we see here when we transfer from the Old Testament and the wisdom books to the New Testament is that it says, however you work this out, work it out in accordance with your salary and let that be defining on how you give. I told you to be hugely practical. Saving up so that when I come, no connections need to be made. And then when I arrive, I'll give letters of introduction to the men you approve and send it with them as a gift to Jerusalem. So they took up a collection for the central fund and we know what the central fund did. It paid wages and it supplied the poor. And that's what our money does, essentially. It pays wages, builds buildings, um, but it supplies the poor. That's what we're going to do today. That's what we're going to do in Sri Lanka today is that we would supply the poor, those who have much less than us. But the principle here isn't what they do. It's why they do it. And the principle is God first in our finance. When we think about first things first, I think this really is quite a big deal. Um, I've got more scriptures here. I'm not going to go into that. I think you get the idea. A predetermined, God-honouring first portion. And what I love about predetermined, whatever that is, is that if it's proportionate, if my salary contracts, so does what I give. And if my salary increases, so does what I give. I don't know if you know it, but the stats are that the richer a person gets, you would think, the more a person gives. But percentage wise, the richer a person gets, the less they give. That's a statistical fact. Bill Gates is now changing that, I see, and others like him. But that, that's just the reality, because the heart thing. First things first, I think our money and what we do with it, so Brian and i 'll tell you how we sit up. It might help you so we we give what we would call our uh, you know our first fruit offering to who we consider our spiritual mentors, our pastors. We actually give them something directly, we give ten percent to um, our church, we then give a proportionate amount to the poor um, that goes every week through Sponsor children, and then we give we give beyond that to. Like the one-off offering we use our tax check for what we're about to do now and then as we see need as there is opportunity that's how we do it i don't know how you do but my encouragement to you is to put god first in our finance i think it's one of the biggest things we can do and so you know as i say this here not only do i not draw an income from here in any way shape or form not a dollar i've made a commitment that neither bron nor i ever will and um, when i sent through a charter to the church I put that in writing, that I would not do that and nor would she. So this is not about us and this is not about money. This is actually about you and what the Bible says. And it's powerful, very powerful in our lives. Number two, the eye is issues. Um, Matthew chapter 6 from verse 31. So do not worry saying, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things. Your heavenly father knows you need them. But seek first his kingdom and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself each day has enough trouble of its own there, there there are issues in life aren't there that get our attention me too you know i'm 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 tempted to worry about those things i don't think the idea it's clearly not that we don't think about them you thought about the way you dressed today hopefully and and i know it might not look like it but i did think about the way i dressed today I know that black jeans are slimming. I know that blue is a color that suits me. That's why I'm dressed in black and blue. Um, You probably thought about it. There's nothing wrong with that. But the idea here is: is it consuming me? Is the stuff consuming me? Is the stuff hindering the work and will of God because I'm just caught up in it? And so just getting those things right. Don't seek these things first. Don't let our lives obsess over things that don't matter. You know, we're talking about money a moment ago. Years ago in my 20s, I worked for my pastor who had a business. And I was working away in a little place called Griffith, about as big as Armadale. And I was working out there and there was this green jacket. I just loved it. I cared about clothes a whole lot at 26. And there was this green jacket. I just loved it. It was expensive. I thought, I want to buy that. And the only way I could buy it, to be honest with you, was to use my tithe, which I was putting in when I got back. I thought, oh, I know I can catch it up next week. I thought, no, no, I know no, that's not how it works. And so I didn't, I didn't buy it. It might have been two weeks later, uh, my good friend, he passes a church called Generosity, Ben Staines is his name. He comes, I come home from traveling away, working all week, and he says, oh, Darren, I bought you a gift. He brings out the gift, and it's the same green jacket, the same color, the same jacket. The only thing that was different was the inside. One was yellow and the other one was green, but you didn't see that. The same green jacket. And it was just a reminder to me about this scripture. Seek first his kingdom. God's got it covered. I won't bore you with all the stories. You've heard some of them. Number three is our relationships. And we're going to talk about that. But but I do want to pause here for a moment. Um, Because relationships are complex, aren't they? Like some of you don't know me so well, but you would have already have issues to get over with me. Just because we're human. You know, there'd be ways I speak. on the top of my diary on Sunday it says, um, it says, Darren, remember not everybody knows you anymore. So I have to I'm more cautious in what I say because it can look like I'm being arrogant or some, I don't know, I don't even understand. I just remember Bron telling me that and going, Okay, I'll need to be more cautious with those things. We 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 just we're human, we get it wrong, we stuff it up, we we affect each other, we're difficult at times, all of us, all of us are. Matthew 7 verse 1, Jesus said, Do not judge or you'll be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. With the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. I am scared for some Christians right there. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own? Jesus is definitely not being the kind shepherd here, but he is being the loving Lord. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, let me get that for you over there let me get it for you while there's a block in your own you hypocrite first take the plank out of your own eye so you can see clearly for your brother's eye and so i think in relational conflict and those kinds of things when we think about first things when we think about relationships just to first to start with me how big is that just to start with me to take a good look at myself um you know sometimes i ask myself where is it that i need grace from people that probably gives me an indication that i frustrate them Um, you know um, things like administration in my role I know that I'm frustrate our office staff and I apologize and I get better but I know ultimately I frustrate them where is it for you I'm just reminded that I need grace Um, where do I struggle where do you struggle what is it for you and working on that first have you noticed that we tend to measure ourselves by our best motives and others by our interpretation of their action are you guilty of that as well have you ever done that like me and i just want to go no no I, I want to be the kind of person that starts with me first thing around relationships is me romans twelve eighteen. if it is possible as much as it depends on you live at peace with everyone uh again a great verse a verse i love and hate. have a love hate relationship with as much as it depends on me i like this verse This is where the church should liberate the earth like no one else can. As much as it depends on me, which is not 50-50, is it? It's as far as I can go until I've got no more moves left. That's it. I'm in. The next one is S, is sequence. I love this. Write this verse down if you're taking notes. Genesis 26, verse 25. Listen to this. Listen to the sequence of how um, Isaac set up his first. Isaac built an altar there and called the name of the Lord and called on the name of the Lord then he pitched his tent and his servants dug a well I love this little thought the sequence of how he set up he built an altar and so he worships God then he pitches his tent gets his family sorted and then he goes to work they dig a well and I think that's a great setup in terms of how things work in terms of our first build an altar pitch your tent dig the well you know, even my my normal day is to i call the morning sacred and then i spend i take my kids to school and then i go to work and then i work as late as i need to but but just to go god family and then everything else and sometimes it means they don't see me again that day <clears throat> but just setting up how's it look for you first things first and then um uh, setting her up around those things that matter most there that's the idea pretty simple and then the last one here is time time which i'm just about out of so let me give you uh we might flick my diary up actually i've got a picture here Here you go you wonder what a pastor does here you go there's my week so um so but what i do with my time i work out what are the big rocks what are the big rocks around god family work Uh, and then for me the fourth one is going to the gym and so that's kind of that's all i'm trying to fit into my week and then my week is I work out the big rocks and then I work out the next things and then I work out all the stuff. Um, but here are some questions I probably every six months sit down and redo and I actually do a process every Monday and this might help you. What When you're doing the big process, what needs to be? So it might not look like it, but everything there, absolutely everything there needs to be except lunch with Sam and Herbie today. We could delete that. They are only joking, Sam. They... Um, <laughs> Everything needs to be. I don't know what your work like, looks like. What needs to be? Here are, here are some questions. What needs to go? And what needs to come? And that changes in different seasons of life as we think about first. What needs to be? What needs to go? And what needs to come? And for me personally, I've found around my first things, if I don't schedule it in, life will squeeze it out. It might be different for you. You might have more time to leverage. But But if I don't... If I don't plan it in, life will squeeze it out and so that's kind of my thing. I do sacred and then what we call Jackman, that's Hugh Jackman, got the idea from him, cold shower, go back to bed, read with my wife, meditate and then go to the park with Lockie and we train um, for 30 minutes. That's for him, not for me. I wouldn't do it then and then the day rolls on into everything else. I wonder what it looks like for you. What needs to be, what needs to go, what needs to come? in setting up first things first, I think is incredibly helpful in our lives. Hope that's hugely practical for you. And we, Kerry Logan, are going to continue the conversation.